Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hello, Koshi here. Before we get into this episode of The Call, I've got a favor to ask. The bigger the Ausbiz audience, the more we can invest in great content and keep providing quality investment ideas to you for free. If you could just take a minute of your time to leave a review of the call in the Apple Podcast app, it'll help keep our tribe growing. And of course, don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at ausbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the call. Hello, welcome back to Ausbiz. Nice to have your company for the next 60 minutes or so. You are watching the call on the Ausbiz platform uh, through the app, also live through Twitter, Facebook um, and YouTube today. So to all those viewers, great to have your company. We do this every single weekday between 12 and 1 p.m. We analyze 10 stocks suggested by our viewers. We put it to an expert panel for their view on whether to buy, hold, or sell those particular stocks. And uh, what a panel we have today. Always a great Friday panel. Rudy Philip Van Dyke from FN Arena joins us. Rudy, good to see you. And what a host. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That will, that will, <laughs> flattery will get you everywhere. And Claude Walker from A Rich Life joining us from Canberra with... Um, Yes, Rudy commented when we were doing the checks a bit earlier, looking sort of very astronautish there, Claude. To the moon, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. With the big full and the peak moon, um, very appropriate this week. Um, hey, let's get straight into it because uh, the guys always have a lot to say. And we've got to fit it in all within 60 minutes. And uh, not only do we choose 10 stocks each day to have a look at, I choose a stock of the day, something that is in the news and get an update from our expert panel on how they're seeing it. Thought we'd take a look at uh, buy now, pay later group Sezzle um, after their tripling of revenues as underlying merchant sales jump over 200%, notching up $490 million in the March quarter. Um, those active customers almost uh, more than double from this time last year. We spoke literally 15 or 20 minutes ago here on Ausbiz with uh, Paul Paradis, the chief uh, parody, uh, the chief executive at Sezzle. And this is what he had to say about the result. I can't speak to the, the IPO at all. Um, but what I can say is we will be thinking about international expansion as a company as, as one of our, our key pillars. We did it in Canada about 18 months ago and we've had success there. India and EU, the EU are now test markets for us that we're really excited about and want to make, um, an we want them to be an impactful part of our business. And, and now we're thinking the same for Brazil. So I think as a company, we're going to keep on looking at markets that make sense for us. That's what uh, Ausbiz does. Every single day we go to the chief executives 
of all our listed companies here to uh, check in with different results. Um, so that's a sizzle update, looking at a, uh, an IPO uh, in the United States as well. Of course, uh, the market leaders in that BNPL um, area are, are basically Afterpay, Afterpay and Zip and then there's a whole bunch of others, including Sezzle. Um, Claude, what did you think of uh, the results today and um, and Sezzle as a stock? Well, certainly uh, the news today, uh, both the results of strong growth and then in particular the US listing is bullish for the stock short term. I thought in particular, you know, the fact that they're going ahead with the US uh, listing actually does do something to uh, reduce one of the main risks that I sort of makes me a bit bearish on this one, which is that uh, at the end of July, I think it is about 40% of the stock comes out of escrow, which will then allow uh, those holders to sell the stock on market. Now, that is very often a negative for the share price. Uh, and and so the fact that they're going to do this US listing may actually sort of defray some of that, especially if they do a transaction uh, as part of that listing. So I, I'd say that that's sort of bullish short term. Um, and, and sort of previously, my view was that I would I would want to sell out by like sell this stock by July just because of that massive escrow release. But uh, now, you know, maybe that's not such a big deal. Um, if we look at this one long term, I think on the ASX, we have about eight buy now, or sorry, maybe even 10 buy now, pay later kind of businesses listed. My view is that, you know, these businesses are not profitable by, by and large. I don't think any of them are. And my view is that actually the main play and main value of these businesses is massive scale and then, and then the quality of those customers. Uh, if, if we look at the, the customer base of Sizzle, an interesting point is actually one of their big customers or one of the big users of Sezzle is GameStop. Um, and if you look on similar web, that actually is providing the most traffic at the moment. But then below that, you've got some sort of unheard of anime kind of stores and, and, and other things that I won't mention here, but people can look up for themselves, which is not uh, as sort of high quality uh, customers as say something like Afterpay has. So for me, given that I view the value of buy now, pay later in the value of the network, how big that scale is, for me, the end game for Afterpay is probably going to be much more profitable than the end game for Sezzle. So as a result, you know, I guess if I was interested in buy now, pay later, I, w- I would probably sell most of the small ones and, and buy into to like the, the absolute market leaders like Afterpay. Okay. All right. That's interesting. Um, Rudy, we had uh, Ben Clark from TMS on yesterday because Afterpay came up um, here on the call and Afterpay... Sh- share price has been stuck a bit. Yes. Um, and Ben was saying the afterpay listing, upcoming listing or, or project in the United States, mm-hmm. he thinks afterpay needs it because it needs a fresh set of investor eyes on afterpay because um, Australian investors and Australian analysts yeah. are getting a bit mm. sort of fatigued by it. Mm. It needs... A, a different look to come in, uh, which he, he thinks a US listing would be good for yes. Afterpay. Okay, um, that's well. That is an, a narrative as another one, of course. I yeah. wouldn't use the, I wouldn't use fatigued. I think uh, skepticism is growing. I think right, which is a little bit different. So what from, are you saying that it needs a new bunch of suckers to come in? And yeah, 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 a few new eyes. You could you could say that. But well, the reason why the skepticism is growing is like listen. First, let, let's 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 put the things in perspective, 
Australia gave the world buy now, pay later. Yeah. We, we should be proud of that one. Yep. The disadvantage of that one is that we have a lot of players going into that market and, and they will not all survive, not all have a profitable uh, outlook and everything. Having said so, most of them coming from very low base and, and it's, a, it's a rapidly growing market still. Mm -hmm. One thing we haven't mentioned, for example, is that Cezzle today announced they're going into Brazil. Yeah. New market again. So they're all carving out their territories left, right and center because it is, it is still in that phase. It's all new. Um, I think what is happening in the market, you see that, for example, also with, with the iron ore miners, you see it with uh, some of the retailers and you see it uh, definitely also with the buy now, pay later is that the, the, the early enthusiasm of, of continuously seeing strong growth numbers, which basically continuously pushed up the share prices. Now people are asking questions right. and they're asking questions about margins. They're asking questions about how long can this space continue, etc. Now, long story short, I'm, I'm completely on, on, on level with, uh, with Claude in most sectors. And I would go for even for an emerging sector like, like this one, you go for the market leaders because they are most in more on the most circumstances they they will perform better and so they will, basically they will, up to pay and zip basically yes yes and the rest does have more uh, more risk now Cezzle is a little bit of a of a of a ugly duckling here because it's actually u.s based yeah uh copied a nice nice business model from australia and is now going for u.s listing so it may all be positive i actually think that the share price should probably be closer to to eleven dollars than where it is now but it might not get there because the market is getting a little bit more skeptical about things and also right. about what's going to happen with the shares that are coming out of escrow. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be too enthusiastic here. I would personally, I would wait until that US listing is in place and until we know whether the shareholders are selling okay. stock and you, would, right. do, you would, would do much better, lot less risk as well. Right. Okay. That's uh, a view on Sezzle. Thank you both for that. Let's go into the stocks that you've re recommended and Jason um, uh, Rudy wants a view on IDP education. This is uh, a big international student placement service um, um, owned primarily by a big universities who, if you're an international student and then you want to place at one of our universities here in Australia, you've got to do an English language testing um, uh, test, which happens to be done by IDP the business that they all own. So it's a nice yeah. <laughs> little deal yes. here that yes. universities are going, well, you must use yes. this test yeah. and we're invested in a company that gives it. There's, there's more to the story. Some of those universities are looking to sell now. Wow. So they want out. Because they're short, short of um, cash. Um, well, that could, a, I have no a, reason. It's what, a big what, shareholding what because their international yes. student numbers yeah. are through the floor because mm. of COVID. Yes. Yep. Um, the story about, but I, first of all, I'm a shareholder. I've done really, really well over time, and I'm, 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 I have no intention of selling here. Okay. Um, the story of, of, of IDP is, is a little, links a little bit with what I said earlier. I mean, you want to invest in a sector, look at the market leader, and, and this company is, is developing in the market leader in, in, in this segment. Yeah. Um, they are basically tying up that market internationally, which means at some point you can't, you can't get around them, basically, and they will di dictate the rules. Okay. Um, the disadvantage here is, is that they are also, the, the Indian market is really, really big for them. So if you're wondering why the share price has come under pressure recently, just look at the COVID numbers that coming out of India. Yeah. It is really that straightforward. Yeah. So the reason why you, why you own IDP or why you would buy IDP here 
is because a of course you think that india will will resolve itself at some point and that it, w it won't i mean reduce the numbers to zero but the other element is and this is the the, the stronger getting stronger so if you believe this sector is obviously going through a little bit of a crisis now with, with yep. the borders closed, students yep. not, not traveling. So that means all the smaller players are having a really tough time. Uh, there, is con there is competition in this sector. I mean, and they have a much tougher time. This, this guy is, these guys are developing into the behemoth in that sector. They will come out stronger the other end. Okay. And that's, just, that's, that's a very valid mm -hmm. uh, principle that, that applies to, to more sectors and to more companies. Okay, so would you be buying it at $22.72? Oh, yes. Uh, okay. But of course, if you can get it cheaper, you'll go cheaper. But um, I probably bought around this level, to be honest. Okay, all right. Rudy, what do you think of uh, um, Claude Rather? What do you think of IDP? I, I, had a, I had a feeling that Rudy would own shares in this one, actually. Uh, it seemed like <laughs> Why? A, it seemed like a Rudy stuff. So, oh, just because it has, you know, reason when it's working well, when it doesn't have COVID, it has high high margins, good long-term tailwinds. It's a big established company, but it's like a growth company, a classic Rudy play in my view. Uh, so, yeah, um, I had a good think about and it. That, and that is said with love and admiration. Yeah, it? no, I think, yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, Obviously, my portfolio is full of, you know, uh, aggressive small cap stuff. Yes, I've got some big ones, but I bought them when they were small. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so so I don't usually enter the, the company when it's already $6 billion because there are too many smart people like Rudy already looking at it for my face. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, no, this does seem like a, a high quality, larger company. And, and you know, it is the, it is the kind of thing that, uh, you know, I, I'd recommend my father-in-law look at. Uh, right now, I think it's interesting. I guess my my big question for Rudy would be uh, whether he thinks there'll be a pent-up demand for services after COVID, because if so, then it could be very interesting, um, even on the depressed earnings that it is right now. So what I'm thinking is it's, it's possible that, you know, because there's been so much of a delay in, in immigration and people taking these tests because there's been, you know, this disaster in India and also like travel has just been more difficult. It's harder to immigrate. Plus there are perhaps geopolitical reasons why fewer uh, Chinese people might be coming to Australia. I wonder if uh, I wonder if in a year or two when when things are a bit smoother, I wonder if there could be sort of some pent up demand there and we could just see sales absolutely explode. Um, if that's the case, you know, then it's even a stock that I'd be interested in. And, and it's definitely one that I'm kind of thinking, you know, that could be a really good short term trade if if things are just stopping up terrible because of COVID and you can see profits being down 50% and now it's sort of on a P of 100 or something based on the depressed profits. Um, but if it comes down because things aren't working out and then, but you know, there's going to be this sort of pent up explosion later, then it could be a great buy. For me right now, I'd probably call it a hold. I think I think it's good and it, it'll probably be good long-termer, but just the, the opportunist in me is basically trying to wait for a mm. bit more bad sentiment based on the lower profit lit numbers, and then to see if I could buy. That's where I'd be looking for that margin of safety. Um, but it'd be interesting to see if Rudy thinks there's a good strategy there. I'm not sure. Okay, so it's a hold from you. It is, yeah. Okay, all right. Um, Andrew wants to view uh, Claude on Nine Entertainment, the uh, the big media group, uh, the Nine Television Network, also all of the old Fairfax newspapers, uh, they have pedestrian TV, car advice, and of course, Domain, the, the real estate platform as well. Um, what do you think of Nine Entertainment? Andrew wants to view on it. Yeah, so I think I think this is a this is a decent company and it's not too expensive. 
Uh, but, uh, you know, I prefer the business quality of, say, IDP uh, because it's more of a secular tailwind that uh, Nine Entertainment's managed to increase its profits like quite a lot in the most half in the last half year. However, the revenues, I think, were even down slightly or flat. So what that tells you is that it's, it's there's sort of cost out driving profit uh, growth. Now, the problem with that is that you can't just keep on doing cost out forever or your revenue is going to get hit. And then if you look longer term, even past 10 years and in the future 10 years, there's a huge amount of disruption in the sort of television and newspaper space. And so that means that it probably deserves a, a reasonably low multiple. Now, it's got a dividend yield, yield of around 3%, I think, but I'm not sure that really uh, compensates you for the risk that um, in the longer term, even though this company can be managed really well, and have obviously they've done really well in the last little while to increase profits and stuff, but longer term, it's just a really hard job for them. So for that reason, for me, it sits either between a hold when it's cheap or, or like maybe a hold now when you see if, if it's a sort of shorter term thing or, or even towards a sell. Just because I like to invest in businesses where I can confidently say time is my friend. If I get it wrong, I can maybe just wait and I'll be okay. Whereas I'm not so sure that's true with, with these sort of older incumbent businesses. Okay. Rudy, what do you think of nine? You forgot Stan. Oh, Stan, Stan as well. Yes, the streaming service. How could I forget Stan, the streaming service? Because the uh, the guy who ran Stan is now the new managing director of Nine. Yeah. Took over mm. from Hugh Marks. Yeah. yeah. In, in in large lines, I agree with with uh, with with Claude. I mean, I mean, years and years ago, uh, people would ask me about media companies, and I would say, well, Nine is the is the better of the bunch, mm. but it's still in that sector essentially. And and I think today that still holds true. That sector has a lot of challenges. I mean, they look just like the Fairfax newspapers. Uh, yeah. um, it's a transformation story. Uh, it's a long winded story. Um, I mean, those who jumped on board last year have done well, yeah. uh, but that comes after a period when uh, <laughs> they probably were, were tearing out their hair. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm more on the, on, the, on the hold side. It's not expensive here. You do get your dividend yield. They're probably going to do okay this year. Uh, so if you buy it, um, it's, it's probably more of a, of a, of a six-month story than it is a six-year story. Right. Although it doesn't mean that their transformation will, will, go, will go wrong. It's just there's still, there's still so many risks attached to it. And once, once you have, for example, domain is not the best operator in that sector. I mean, no. REA is REA I mean, killing is it, essentially. Yep. Um, what happens in, in the stand uh, territory? I mean, is Netflix going to come? I mean, I know that... Um, 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 the name escapes me, but but the the, the other Murdoch ex Telstra uh, pay television, right. uh, they are obviously going to uh, going to ramp up. They have to do something as well. So it's not yeah. without competition that space. Um, yeah, you, you've got the Foxtels of the world. That's the one. That's the one uh, I was thinking of. Exactly. But also, yes. you've got Amazon Prime coming into yes, it's not uh, Australia. Yeah. Disney Plus, yes. Yes. Apple Plus. Yes, all, yes. Yeah, they've, they've been doing exactly, now. exactly. So. It's not my cup of tea, but I can right. see people taking the risk. There's maybe a, a, a revival in advertising as well. Uh, and of course, they are, they are making the newspapers leaner and meaner by the day. Right. Um, but not my cup of tea. So I, okay. would, I would go for a hold at best. Okay. All right. Um, now, Rudy Roger wants a view on lay-by. It's another buy now, pay later. Um, yeah. Roger says... I thought I missed the boat when the share price flew on its first trading day. 
uh, with the IPO price of a dollar forty-one. It's since come down bit by bit. Currently, mm. at around eighty cents, uh, a fall of sixty to sixty-five percent from its all-time high, as you can see. Yeah. Uh, wondering what the experts thought of the company now. Um, they're in lay buyers in New Zealand, Australia, UK, and the US. Its differentiator, if you like, in the BNPL market is that your repayments uh, can be on a weekly basis um, mm. rather than a monthly. Yes, so, yes. Uh, so well, does this fit yeah. with your previous? This, yes, exactly. This is also a New Zealand-based company, yes. by the way. Yeah. Uh, well, Roger, number one, don't draw conclusions from the first days after an IPO. I mean, that's market sentiment. It's the, yeah. I mean, it has nothing to do about the outlook of, of a stock or a company. I mean, that's why I wait three or four years, to be honest. Um, oh, not, so, so you don't go straight into a float? Never. Never? Never. That's your rule? Yes. I've never and, done it and will never do it. And you wait for three years to see yes. if they yes. deliver on their promises Absolutely. of the float. Absolutely. That if the height... Yes, absolutely. Because if you, if you, for example, what's the difference between Nurex and 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 Layby? I have no idea. But they're both right. disappointed, right. and sometimes they don't. But you, you can't tell from. Uh, and in the beginning, everyone wants to get in. There's also a marketing instrument around yep. it, the broker supporting it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's very difficult to assess pre-IPO or upon IPO which company is going to be a very good investment. Uh, yeah. I mean, you get sometimes a good idea. Zero was a good idea, but I still, I still weighed it. Right. Um, and, and in this case, um, it, 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 it's what I said earlier, it's the reflection of a, of a general skepticism towards that sector. And what you will see is that the market leaders come off, but the, the non-market leaders, they come off a lot more. Right. And this company, not profitable. Uh, of course, in a, in a sector where everyone wants to have a piece of at the time of the IPO, and now they have to prove themselves. But there's no guarantee whatsoever that these guys will survive, make it, become profitable, you name it. Yeah. Um, I mean, the other, the other scenario is that they might have to come back to the market and, and, and issue more capital. Right. Um, and you would hope that the share price is a lot higher by then. Yeah. So for yeah. me, it's just too early. I would, I would watch these companies and see what they do over time. Yeah. Um, of course, some people want to make a short-term um, investment and I mean, when the share price is that low, it will jump at some stage. Yeah, but you look at that, you know, a yes. float of a dollar forty goes yes. up to two oh eight, sharp, and, yeah. that and then almost halves. Yeah, that backs up what you were saying. Yeah. Um, Claude, what do you think of uh, of Labor? Well, I like, yeah, I largely agree with Rudy. Uh, so I won't repeat what he said, uh, other than to say I agree with it. You know, so I guess some little interesting facts about this one that that I just sort of chuck in there is that it might be suffering from bad sentiment because it's quite small and so it's been hit by seasonality so the quarter that that had christmas in it was obviously a lot stronger than this quarter that may be weighing on sentiment right now even though it's totally normal and expected uh, and then the other thing that i guess is sort of worth worth keeping in mind is uh, these guys are you know integrated with some of the big sort of platforms like shopify and wix so that may help drive low cost growth and then finally, um, they have a sponsorship with um, a bunch of Premier League sporting clubs. So Arsenal, Man City, Manchester United, that, that sort of thing. So, you know, that could help uh, them sort of increase sales. So, yeah, I, I could see that, you know, if these guys get some better revenue growth, because they've had bad growth this last quarter just because of the seasonality, if they get better revenue growth, then at the moment, in the market, that seems to be all people care about. Now, I won't be participating because I care about profit. But if you wanted a short-term trade, 
and maybe that's maybe that's the play. You just you just buy after the bad quarter and then you sell after the next Christmas quarter. That's not what I'm going to do, but that's the best sort of idea that I could have in terms of buying it. Otherwise, these sort of unprofitable little tiny buy now pay later is are pretty much going to avoid for me. Okay, all right. Uh, Claude Robert wants a view on Bubs Australia. Uh, Robert says uh, I bought it on the dip in 2020. Do you think it still has future potential? Of course, um, uh, Bubs is the uh, goat uh, milk baby formula uh, company that was uh, had a massive market in the United in the uh, in China, uh, like A2 Milk and Blackmores and Road that that China way. But I just noticed in the last 24 hours, third quarter revenue down 40 percent uh, compared with a year ago uh, ago because. Uh, that whole Dalgo distribution market in in China has uh, has collapsed because we don't have Chinese students here who would go and buy it all from Chemist Warehouse and ship it off to China and make big profits on it. Yeah, well, exactly. And you've summarised it so perfectly. The mania that happened a few years ago, we can probably see it in the five-year share, uh, share price chart. But basically, you know, this is what happens. This is what happens when, um, you know, A2 Milk and Bellamy's were massive, right? Back in the day when this one was up above $1.40, right? And so what happens is you get these smaller Me Too companies like Bubs. And we've just been talking about this with the buy now, pay later. You've got these amazing big companies, Afterpay, for example, and then you have, uh, you know, a whole bunch of smaller Me Too ones. Well, the problem is, even though things are going against A2 milk now, it's still profitable, it's still going to be fine long term. But it's not necessarily the same for Bubs because it's never managed to get profitability. It still has like cash outflow, right? So at the moment, it has 36 million on the balance sheet. But over the last nine months, it's burned over 20 million. Now, luckily, in the last quarter, that's reduced to a less than around 4 million from memory. So it's definitely heading in the right direction in the most recent quarter. Maybe there's going to be a turnaround opportunity here. But for me, the only reason this kind of stock was ever listed was because A2 Milk and Bellamy's were so great. And for yeah. me, that's just not that's there's no reason for me to own this until it itself it becomes profitable and free cash flow. Like, I'll happily buy a software company while it's losing money because of the superior economics of that business. But we're talking about a business that sells baby formula. I'd like to see some profits before yeah. I bought. I know. I'm not. I'm not going to play on the same song all the time, but yeah. uh, but but it is about market leaders and about about the non-market leaders. But there's also there's also a a, a broader theme here, which which might people want to look into on on a broader perspective. Is that recently there's there's more and more insights coming out in the Western world that what's what's happening amongst Chinese consumers and and maybe that whole. Uh, dichotomy in the world between the U.S. and China is playing yeah. in as well. They're becoming more and more nationalistic. So Chinese people, consumers, are now buying more Chinese brands. Because no. it was the opposite, was it? If exactly. you had money, you yes. wanted to show off with Exactly, a, yes. Uh, and you want to buy New brand. Zealand uh, milk or, or Australian yeah. branded milk or meat or, yeah. or you want to buy uh, American uh, running shoes. Yeah. And that's now changing. So the likes, yeah. of, the likes of Nike are being impacted, but also because the, the, A2 milk is being impacted by that. Yeah. And then the much smaller one, Bob, so you have to question where, where they fit in. The other thing that worried me a, a while ago, apart from the fact that these guys are not profitable, is that they started off as goat's milk, but then they branched out into 
ordinary dairy milk. Right. And I thought like, that's never a good sign. I mean, yeah. th that almost means that you can't make it on your own niche. Right. So that was red lights for me anyway, but, okay. but so I wouldn't go anywhere near it. All right. Uh, our Fitstock, uh, Philippe wants a view on, now I'd never heard of this group. Um, it's sort of more in uh, your wheelhouse, I think, uh, Claude, uh, online, global online, online retail. Um, do you pronounce it satire? Um, yeah, that's how I've been saying it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, which is basically an online shop for uh, selling 1,300 luxury brands, over 160,000 products of uh, clothing, shoes, bags, uh, accessories, listed back in December and has had a pretty good share pricing increase and done well. Now, yeah. you're the fanboy, always been the fanboy for Temple and Webster, and I thought, online retailer... What do you think? Yeah, well, so I've been rotating out of online retail now because that was the thing that I wanted to buy. Like when we first started doing this show about a bit more than a year ago, I was definitely keen on online retail because of obviously everything was going online all of a sudden. Yeah. But now I've been backing out of that. However, Setai is a little bit of a different case. This is going to be one of the most interesting, not necessarily best, but interesting stories on the ASX right now. So what happened? Is this listed at the end of last year? No one noticed in December. Then, uh, basically, you know, the the private investors, a, a guy named Luke was the first person told me about it when it was 60 cents after the listing, right? And basically said, you know, this is growing really fast. It's undervalued. Um, you know, this is this is a great opportunity. Now, I actually bought shares in that because I agreed on the numbers. However, um, let me explain why their business model is. A little bit risky so what these guys do is they sell these luxury brands um at sort of sometimes below the price that those you know the the handbag or whatever it is is for sale by the brand itself right oh. so what they do is they can buy off distributors in italy um who have stock that they want to move right because it's not selling so well and then they can get it and basically well they don't need to get it basically they sell it through satire but they oh. do so at a discount now, not everything on their website is discounted, but there are certain key items that are discounted below that price um, that the main the brand itself would sell, right? So this is so obviously like a not a factory outlet type thing. Yeah, so some people refer to this as grey market, right? Now, and you know what I've been told, which I don't know and, and haven't confirmed, but is during the pandemic in particular, Setai did like really discount some of these luxury items quite well, and that and that has. In, you know, this is again what I'm hearing is that that is what is growing the sales so fast and the sales growth, growth is incredible, right? So right. I went from uh, on, on the prior corresponding period, it got to 40 million up from about 7 million. That's like 470% growth. The profit also rocketed by about 354%, albeit off a small base. But so, so what happened is when I, I originally bought it and then I sold it because I was like, oh, this is not really the highest quality business model. But then I saw the results. They were so good. I bought it again. And, and of course, it shot up again and I sold it. And but here's the thing. And it just kept on going up more and more and more. And I sold it like <laughs> ages ago. And it's just gone nothing but up. So what we see now is $700 million market cap. Um, and at the moment, it's half wow. year profit was just $2.3 million. So at the moment, it's sort of expensive on the numbers because the market is now saying, righto, you're a great growth stock. Um, just get on board. And, and of course, if it doubles from here, if it doubles its revenue, its profit should skyrocket because of operating leverage. 
And so it, if it doubles from here, it probably can justify its current market cap. However, one day, in my opinion, one day the brands that it sells at a discount, if, if it gets too big, right, and they start to notice it and they're like, wait a second, we don't like you discounting this, then that's going to cause a problem for Seti, okay. right? So that's the reason I don't own shares. But before that happens, this thing should keep on going great. People are going to love it. Everyone's okay. making money who owns shares. So I, I guess I call it a hold for now, but just noting right. that risk. Okay. I, I, I agree, in particular with that, with that uh, latest mark by, uh, by Claude. Just, just remember what, what, what happened not that long ago when Telstra found out that some of its uh, yeah. outlets were, uh, were making so many profits. They were like, we want some of that oh, profits ourselves. Did <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yes. exactly, exactly. There's always this like, hey, wait a minute. Let's renegotiate that price. So I also think this is, this, is, this is the reason why you don't, well, this is the reason why some people would jump in on the IPO day because this is a possibility from right. the IPO, but you don't know it, and then, yeah. and it can be the opposite. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I, I would, I would agree with with Claude. You, you wait here, but it has done such a big run, yeah, and and this market in particular is 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 very quick in punishing anything that only slightly disappoints. Okay, all right. So I know on Setai, and uh, let's recap our first five stocks here on the call that we've got through so far. Another five to go. Stock of the day, Sezzle, a no from both uh, Rudy and Claude. Um, IDP, a, a yes from Rudy, a hold from Claude. Nine Entertainment, a, a hold from Rudy, a no from Claude. Uh, Layby, a no from both. Bubs, a no. And Setai, a hold from both. Now, here at the, the call, we've been tracking our own fantasy portfolio since the 1st of July last year thanks to our partner, Nabtrade. Um, any stock that comes up and gets two yeses from the expert panel on that day goes into the portfolio. If it comes up again, even in front of a different expert panel and it doesn't get unanimous, uh, yes, it goes out. Like IDP was in the course portfolio and um, Rudy has given it a yes today. Claude's given it a hold, not a yes. It comes out of the... Uh, out of the portfolio as a result of that. Let's check to see how it's performing. Uh, for the week, it's flat. Uh, over the last month, the portfolio is up 5% and since the 1st of July, up 31%. Some of the stocks recently added um, by our expert panels, Home Consortium, Dexas, Whisper, Aristocrat Leisure, Bravura, uh, Stocks Removed, Ancor, Newix, Shryro, ALE, Property Group, and today, IDP, you can check out all the stocks in the calls portfolio. Head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Um, and one of uh, yesterday's best performance on the stock market, Nobati, uh, off the back of its new deal with Afterpay, Peter Cook uh, will be joining the team here on Ausbiz. Um, uh, today, the group has revealed record revenue growth in the March quarter, already surpassing its total revenue for the 2020 financial year. So Peter Cook joins the team to uh, explain that result at 1.15 Eastern. All right, let's get into our second five stocks. And first up, uh, Rudy, um, our viewers want a view on Australian Vintage, the Australian uh, wine company. Um, was floated out of the old McGuigan Wines, now owns things like uh, Nepenthe, uh, Brossa Valley, uh, Wine Group, um, Tempest Two. 
and Tempest 2. Which I personally, personally I quite like at Tempest uh, 2. Yes, and of course, <laughs> it's a sponsor of The Last Call tonight ah, on, okay, uh, okay. on Ausbiz. Um, the Last Call, it starts at about 4.15 and we all get a drink and we have fund managers and economists in and they basically gossip about the week in the share market and the economy and it's great debate and oh, a lot of fun Now, as now well. you're making me sad. I'm yeah. going to miss out on some Tempest 2 wines. Uh, <laughs> the differentiation between um, Australian Vintage and say Treasury Wine Estates is Australian Vintage only would sell a very small proportion to uh, of its yes. Uh, yes. wine to China. It all goes to the UK, Europe and um, and yes. US. There's a completely different dynamics. It all like treasury wines in the past. Uh, the, the difference is it, it had it had those highly priced, high quality, yeah. almost luxury wines, which yeah. which which were twenty percent of the production, but eighty percent of, of of the volume in, in yeah. pricing wise. Uh, but that then came to a downfall when when China said no. Yeah. Um, I actually don't mind Australian vintage here. It's it doesn't look uh, extremely expensive and. For those few analysts who actually cover the stock, they believe that these guys will probably have some good growth under the wings this year and next year. Yep. Um, also because they've had some tough times in the past and then that means they always slim down the operations, yep. uh, manage their inventory, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily sit on board longer term. Wine is extremely uh, volatile yep. and cyclical. So you really have to know when, when exactly you own a wine stock. Again, Treasure Wines at some point was an exception yeah. because of the luxury brands, um, but they are going to spin off the, the, the commoditized wines. Right. And, and these guys are very much commoditized. I mean, right. so it's, it is playing the cycle. At this point in time, you can own them, but don't do it uh, for too long. Okay, so yes, from you, I'm Australian Vintage, new chief executive from in Craig Garvin, who comes out of Parmalat. So, uh, the, the big international hmm. dairy group. Um, uh, Claude, what do you think of Australian vintage? Well, I think Rudy and I need to find some more ways to disagree because I think what he said is pretty much right. Um, I think with this kind of thing, because it's cyclical, you do want to uh, just really time it in and out. Obviously, I'm looking for secular growth long-term for the long-term buy and hold. So it's not that for me. I'm a little bit worried about, um, you know, the Chinese tariffs, even if it's not impacting Australian vintage, if that's impacting its competitors, then maybe they end up selling more wine into Australian vintages markets. So I'm not entirely sure how that works out. Having said that, these guys have guided for good, strong growth of at least 65%. Maybe there's even some upside there. They're on a pretty low PE ratio. They pay a dividend. And on top of that, um, the, the, main, the main problem is that they've got is a, well, not a problem, but the main disadvantage and risk is that they do have quite a bit of debt. So, you know, as long as you're aware of the risks and you size uh, appropriately, this could be like quite an interesting one because, you know, if it can just do a few things right and have a bit of luck, then the, the momentum we've seen in the last year could continue. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. I'd, I'd probably call it a hold, although to be, to be honest, you know, I lean towards buying. It's just not quite the kind of business that I like. Uh, so I'd call it a hold right now, but just echoing. So would you put your father-in-law in it? That was almost. That was nah. almost going into the portfolio. <laughs> nah. Almost. Nah. All right, you've stopped it going in the portfolio. Don't feel bad about that, Claude. That's that's fine. Sorry. All right. No, don't apologise. That's good. Um, um, you you get it straight from the horse's mouth here. No favours anywhere. All right. Um, 
Claude Trucheron's a view on Doctor Care Anywhere group, and uh, when I was doing my research on this, I noticed that that you've actually uh, written about it in uh, a rich yeah. life not so long ago. It's uh, a newly listed telemedicine company where you um, you, you get your diagnosis uh, over the phone, and and you bought a couple of shares to keep your interest in it. Yeah, so, so what happened is, I'll tell you the story since you found that very, very well done, is what actually happened, and, and I did write this as a follow-up for my subscribers, basically, is that I bought a few shares to watch it because I think it's a really interesting company. Now, let me say why it's interesting. It's interesting because this is the vanguard of like telehealth. Now, there's a much bigger US company that I used to own called Teladoc, which is similar, does telehealth care, right? Allows people to get their scripts, see their doctors, get their referrals, and even increasingly pathology and stuff like that, basically over the internet without going into the office. Now, the important thing I must now add is basically when it shot up after um, the most recent thing to about $1.07, I, or before I did it, I said, look, I'm looking to sell this because the problem is, is I've gone and bought this Doctor Care Anywhere stock right as all of the vaccines are rolling out worldwide, super you know, in the end, this is going to be a big setback for telehealth in the short term, right? Now, in the long term, telehealth has a great future. But in the short term, what I realized is that my shares in Teledoc and my shares in Talk to Care Anywhere, I bought, well, I was holding them into a time where there's a macro thing that just means it's going to go down. Not the fault of the company, but think about it. So many people were using telehealth because they couldn't, they didn't want to go into the doctor. It's a risky place to go. These guys operate in the UK, right? Which was in really bad COVID times. So of course they had massive boost to sales, really high growth going really well. But unfortunately what happened is I've gone and bought these shares right just a few months before then the vaccines come come out. So initially I was up and I was thinking good, but now I'm still, oh, I bought them at the wrong time. So what I've done is I've sold out of my shares and now basically I still think it's super interesting, but I'm really looking to pick these guys up in about a year from now because in one year, then they're going to have bad, you know, worse, worse numbers, basically. And it's not even going to be their fault. It'll just be the nature of their business. Okay. All right. Good business. All in the timing. There's a few, there's a few, yeah. there's a few uh, trends we see here. Foreign companies listing on the ASX. Yeah. Uh, another IPO, by the way. And also, if you look at that chart, then you know exactly why I don't buy at the IPO. Yes. Because it looks, it looks fantastic the first three months. And then three months later, you come back, you go, what happened? Yeah. You know I mean? And it's yeah. just, I mean, just market yeah. sentiment, essentially. You know I mean? yeah. uh, long story short, when, when these companies are so young, we always invest in the story, in the narrative, but we, we, we yet have to see a business, a business that is sustainable and, and, and growing and everything mm -hmm. on a consistent basis. And that might take a while before okay. we see that in this type of business. So for me, it's, it's too high risk, too much unknowns, and really, it is a small cap. Yeah, sure. All right, Trish, thank you for that suggestion. Now. Um, Rudy Joe wants a view on MNF, the old MyNetphone, which mm. is in mm. uh, voice data cloud-based uh, communication, yeah. uh, both here and internationally. Where do I start? I have been a shareholder in the past, but I'm no longer a shareholder. Um, I, I've come to the conclusion, and, and I'm, I'm sure that, uh, that Claude will have a few things to say about this. I've come to the conclusion that those infrastructure stocks, and this is essentially a technology company, but it provides an infrastructure for other technology companies, that that is not necessarily such a great thing over time for shareholders. Um, I mean, this one has has had quite a little bit of a, 
wishy-washy past. It has done now well over the past six months or so. Um, remark number one, the daily volumes that go around in that stock are so low that mm. I sometimes really question how any serious fund manager can get in there. Well, getting in is probably not a problem. Try yeah, to get yeah. out. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, the volumes really are low and, and they're now higher than, they're, than, they're, than they were six months ago. So imagine how low they were six months ago. For me, that, that's, that's a problem in itself. So unless this company uh, attracts more friends, so to speak, it's, uh, for me, that's, that's a major no, just because the volume is yeah. so low. The other thing is, is that it, it has been touted over the years, continuously as a, as a great potential stock. Um, and that potential so far is, hasn't really come to the surface. I know the share price now looks okay, but it's, it's, it's not even close to the all-time high. Yeah. And a lot of other stocks are. So I've, I've sort of put this one on the, I'll just observe it uh, for, for the time being. Okay. And maybe the situation in Singapore might, might, might get better. And maybe they are seriously undervalued. But for me, uh, there are so many more better alternatives around that I don't have okay. to be there. Uh, and Claude, for people who don't understand uh, what a low volume does, if there are not many shares traded, um, just buying a few will push the share price up. But if you want to get out, uh, it pushes the share price. Uh, a, a lot of invest, um, fund managers call it a lobster pot. Easy to get in, can't yes. get your money out yes. which out re without really affecting the share yeah. price. And that can be a worry. You can get stuck in it. Yeah, so I often hear um, like starting out investors talk about how, you know, they've read Buffett and they basically say, oh, why would you have, why would you put money in your 15th best idea or something and they think that they want to be really concentrated well let me tell you like the reason that i'm not too concentrated is because a lot of my stocks are illiquid and if i have large holdings in that then you know i can't easily get in and out so that's partly yeah. why you have a, a smaller diversified portfolio and, and they can move around a lot you know you have a big fund manager that wants to get in or out they'll move it a lot yeah. um so this one i think that it's worth mentioning, I mean, I, think I, did, I basically agree with what everything Rudy said is if I want to just say one thing, and also I own shares in this, I still do own shares in this. Um, the bullish case here is um, this, that this is a kind of company that enables um, communication platforms as a service. So um, as you guys will know, you know, more and more we're using APIs to make calls. So for example, Uber um, has an API from Twilio that, um, you know, means that you can call and MNF helps this in Australia and provides connectivity. The Uber driver can call you from your phone, onto your phone, sorry, if you've not come out to, to meet the Uber, but he never finds out what your actual phone number is. Yes. MNF is part of the tech stack that allows that kind of thing to happen. So that's sort of like the bullish long-term trend that they're, they're still on board with. Now, in terms of pricing, we actually, I had to look this up, but I knew it. On the 24th of April in 2020, David and Rudy, we three talked about this company. And, and then I was, I was buying it then, basically. And you can see, you know, that's right just on the, a little bit off the left of that chart there yeah, yeah. on the one-year chart. And now we're a full 25-ish um, percent higher than when it was there. And for me, that's, that's moved out of the buy zone now. That's moved into the hold zone. Hold zone. So, wow. so that's where I'm at with it. Even though I like it and I do hold it, it's just not cheap enough. I don't see that margin of safety okay. or anything. All right. Can I ask Claude a quick, quick yeah. question? Claude, would you agree that, for example, integrated research, which 
you could compare the both. They, they have found it very difficult to stay, to, to grow basically for their shareholders. And, that's made, and they have a lot of large companies using their services day to day. Yeah, look, I, I agree that you could, you could, it could be that MNF goes the way of integrated research in the end. The, the reason that I think it won't is because uh, MNF is a little bit, uh, for one of a better description, deeper into the tech stack. So it's more of a wholesaler, more, a little bit more, it might be selling to somebody who is selling a competitor to um, integrated researchers' products. Yeah. Um, so because of that, that can be good and bad. The bad side of it is you get lower margins. So, you know, integrative research was a bit of a star at one point, just massive profit growth, good margins, dividends, and, and it was really good. It will be harder for MNF Group to get there, but at the same time, it's also potential that other people's capital can grow its business because if its customers grow, then MNF grows with them. So that's the element that I like about them and why I hold on to them. Okay. All right, uh, Claude, Mike wants a view on uh, Neomat, the, the big aerial imagery technology and, and location data. Um, has had a, a bit of a topsy-turvy um, sort of ride in terms of its share price recently, but um, some of its non-executive directors and, and a former chairman um, have been picking up a bag full of these shares in the uh, last... Uh, couple of months is that something that you look at within a company if if the insiders are, are buying yeah look it, it absolutely is and i was chatting with my mate the other day being oh is it time to get back in the map based on these buys and it, it made yeah. me have another look at it i think it's on the public record actually i sold out the last of my near map shares in january 2020 when they did a downgrade and i was and i was fast I, and that ch chart doesn't quite get it You'd have to go a little bit further back, but I was fast and basically sold on the edge of that downgrade at, um, and just got it out at around uh, $2 ish. So I could buy back in at the same price. I'll, I'll tell you why I don't. I fear that basically Nearmap is considered by many people, including fund managers, as like a really great, you know, software stock kind of thing. And in their minds, that Nearmap is the same quality business as some of the actual really uh, good high quality uh, software stocks that Rudy and I own. And um, I mean, own long-term, not saying they're cheap and they're not cheap. But the thing is people think that Nearmap, some people think Nearmap deserves to be in that class, but what they forget is Nearmap has to fly planes around constantly, right? All the time. And, and um, they have like real big competitors and one day, Call me crazy, and everybody. Every time you say this, near near map shareholders absolutely get really angry. But I think one day satellites will start doing a lot of this work. Right. You know, I don't know when, but one day, whether they're micro satellites or whether they're drones or whatever it is, I think that technology will eventually overtake the flying of planes around right. everywhere. So, if, because you have the cost of flying planes, and also because one day there's this tech risk. For me, it's not quite as high quality as some of those other ones. Not saying it's a bad business, but as a result mm. of that, I want to. I really want to buy this when people stop saying how good it is. Basically, okay. so for me, okay. it's, it's maybe a hole. Okay. Or a um, sell. Like, <laughs> to take pictures of every councils use them, governments use them, builders. extra builders use them. That's the whole thing. It also has a couple of competitors now yeah. that do three D photos and yeah. all that sort of stuff. 
Couple, a couple of things. They're not, they're not profitable, and 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 their um, expansion to the U.S. hasn't hasn't gone smoothly. Right. Um, but they are. My information is that they are hiring a lot of people at the moment. Uh, they are transitioning, and 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 if even if Claude's uh, projection is correct, they are probably anticipating that because Nearweb is going through a transitioning process where they will become more of a data. An analyst, basically. Right. So they're gonna. They're now hiring more and more people and spending more and more effort in becoming a data analytics company mm -hmm. instead of a company that purely sells you the the, the surface. Uh, right. Yes. Having said so, uh, they did also something very remarkable in February, which I which I think is worth highlighting here. Um, in February, a shorter came out and and basically issued a report mm. of so shorter and saying that these guys basically their their numbers were bogus. They did the ultimate response you have to have. They requested the ASX to, to hold their shares and then come out with a whole report basically proving that the shorter was wrong. Right. And they got smoked, which, right. and that's, it couldn't happen to nicer people. Right. Um, <laughs> at the moment, if, if anyone is wondering what's happening with Megaport, um, I, I saw uh, Bevan Slattery having a lot of fun recently on, on social media saying, like, I'm having the popcorn ready. Apparently, he's getting phone calls from stockbrokers if he wants to sell some of his shares. Right. And he's saying, like, no, no, because I know these guys want to want to cover their shorts. Right. And there's no shares around. I mean, right. guess what's happening? Right. Share price goes up. I mean, yeah. Couldn't happen to nicer people. Yeah. Anyway, uh, back back to Nearmap. Uh, you're right about all the competition, all of that. I think while they are going through that transitioning, it might take a while before the market really gives them the benefit of the doubt. Once yeah. we start going through the results and all of that. So I think uh, if you're on board, be patient. In the meantime, I think there's, there's probably better, better alternatives okay. around. All right. Uh, got to be reasonably quick on this one. Our final stock, Elmo Software, the big payroll software company. Um, Who'd go really? that big? <laughs> well, yeah. One of the trends I, I tried to point out earlier, but I can, I can I emphasize now. I think the majority of stocks we're discussing today, they are very cheaply priced. They've right. come down a lot. Yes. I think Elmo has a, a similar problem as all the other ones. Not profitable. Uh, a lot of potential, sure, but um, and uh, had some had some uh, um, headwinds. Uh, I personally wouldn't go there. Um, unproven. Uh, the only reason why you buy it is because cheap stocks will bounce at some point. But it still remains to be seen whether these guys uh, have a sustainable yeah. growth model under the wings. Uh, Claude. Uh, yeah, so for me, I've owned this before. It's a decent company, but no, not for me. Uh, basically, the losses going in the wrong direction. And don't forget, the growth in this one is uh, charging along partly and largely by uh, acquisitions. I like, their, I like their strategy, and I think it probably is interesting long term. But I personally have a penchant for organic growth. And as a result, I actually own um, IntelliHR, which is sort of a competitor to this mm. and is the one that Bevan Slattery bought into. And that, okay. the reason I own that is because it's got such good organic growth. And I, okay. that's what I like to see. Right. Not because of Bevan Slattery. <laughs> no, unfortunately, I was actually sad when he bought in because I had it in my I had it on my watch list, and of course, he bought in and it, and it rocketed up. And I was like, oh, no. yeah, okay. All right, Claude Walker from A Rich Life. Uh, great to see you, mate. From uh, from Canberra, people want to follow what Claude uh, uh, writes about. Just go to A Rich Life and uh, uh, stick it in Google there, and some really interesting uh, analysis of uh, of different stocks and. It's great to follow on Twitter, as is Rudy at FN Arena. FN Arena is going gangbusters for all the latest investment news too. Great website. 
Uh, just to recap our final five stocks, uh, Australian Vintage, uh, a yes from Claw to Hold from uh, Rudy. Uh, Doctor Care Anywhere, uh, a no from both. Um, Claude will have a look at it in about a year. It will reckon uh, good business will be better priced then. Um, MNF, a hold from Claude, a no from Rudy, and a no from both of them on both Near Map and Elmo Software. Now, if you've uh, got any stocks that you want us to analyse and put to our expert panel, email the call at osbiz.com.au or tweet us using the TV handle. Um, a reminder of all the stocks in the calls portfolio, head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. And if you want a wrap up of the day in business and markets and finance, subscribe to the Osbiz newsletter. Uh, in it, you get Scuddy's view, uh, the close of business podcast, a link to that and also links to the most popular interviews and videos that we've had here during the day on Osbiz. Subscribe at osbiz.co forward slash BCOB. Uh, Startup Daily Show every um, every day at 2 p.m. Uh, this is the show that looks at all the private equity businesses that are looking to raise, uh, the scale-ups, the startup companies, we talk to their founders and venture capitalists who are investing in them. Uh, today, one of the many guests on the show, Supan King uh, from um, X15 Ventures, uh, as a company is set to morph into an enterprise compliance platform. Uh, so we'll be talking to Supan at 2 p.m. And at 2.45 on the trade, Cara Ordway will be chatting through all of the charts, the technical side, with Sven Heinrich the, uh, from Northman, uh, the Northman Trader. He'll uh, discuss his takeaways from the uh, Federal Markets Committee last night in the United States. Um, look at the technicals for the S&P 500, which is making new records every day. So the trade is really good if you're interest, interested in looking at the charts. So a lot happening on Ausbiz throughout the rest of the day. If you're viewing us on the platform, keep watching or or through the app. If you're watching us through uh, Twitter or Facebook or um, YouTube, um, go across to ausbiz.com.au or download the app and watch it online. Um, a lot happening this afternoon. We'll be back after the break. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.